Uh, let me fill you in. I am Jason. I'm the campus pastor at our uh, East Jordan location, and uh, Pastor Jeff is over there taking care of my friends this morning and blessing them as he opens the word in East Jordan today. It seems like it's been quite a while since I've been with you on a Sunday morning. I think January was the last time I got to share a Sunday worship experience with the, the church here at Walloon, and at the same time, I've been thinking more and more lately, it seems like just a short time ago that I arrived here at Walloon. In reality, it was 2005. I remember driving through a blizzard in the U-Haul to get up here to northern Michigan uh, to my new church family and my new job as a youth pastor and, and finding out later that wasn't a blizzard, it was just December. And uh, reality set in really quickly that day, but uh, it's been a fabulous ride and a, and a joy to be a part of this uh, church family ever since. And uh, we've had a lot of changes since then. Uh, many of you know that uh, somewhere around seven years ago, um, I went to be the campus pastor East Jordan and uh, trans transitioned there, uh, but that wasn't the biggest change that's happened in our family since 2005. I uh, have moved a couple of times since then, including from here in the village of Walloon over to East Jordan a couple of years ago, and that, changing houses, wasn't the biggest change that our family has lived through. Uh, some of you parents know what I mean when I say this. The biggest change that our family has experienced since 2005 has been our kids, and how much they've changed and grown up. I, I just had somebody who uh, uh, I, I knew from the time that I arrived here uh, tell me that they remember my littlest one was a baby when we arrived, not even a year old. And my little girl, she was just three years old when we came. And, and I've been looking at pictures lately, and, and they've grown so much since those days. And there's lots of ways to measure that. Um, when we lived in Walloon and built a house in 2008, we started putting notches uh, at the uh, level of their head to measure their height each year at their birthday. And since we couldn't take the kitchen with us when we moved, I transferred that onto a stick. And I still have that stick. And yet, for two years since we've lived in East Jordan, I've never added another mark because our kids are already taller than the stick is. And another way that I've seen growth and change in my kids is looking at old pictures. I believe here's one uh, of uh, my little girl <laughs> sitting on my lap driving. And you know what's crazy is she turned 14, got a real job, got some money in her pocket, and decided to go buy this mode of transportation uh, with her own money, this scooter, and, and uh, drove around and, and did what she needed to do. And you know what's crazy? That was two years ago. She just turned 16 this summer. She's already bought her own car. She's paying for her own insurance. My little girl is practically grown up already. She doesn't not only need me to hold her up to the steering wheel, and be in the driver's seat. She doesn't even need me in the car anymore. It's crazy to think how much she's changed. And then my son, there's a, a picture here of uh, my son and my little man and his dad on their first motorcycles each. Uh, he picked up that motorcycle. It's actually a toy. The previous owner uh, that he bought it from with his own money uh, took this toy ride-on motorcycle thing with training wheels and took the training wheels off and put a weed whip motor on it. And so that's a 25cc beast that he learned to ride on. And I remember spending hours in this parking lot watching him go around in circle after circle after circle on that little tiny motorcycle. And not too long, by the time this picture was taken, actually, he'd outgrown that little thing and felt the need for speed or something. And so he sold that and went and bought a dirt bike. And 
after a couple of years, he outgrew that one and sold that and bought this one. And two years ago, he outgrew this thing. And now he's looking to sell this and find somebody that's trying to get rid of a dual sport he can afford. And that's a dirt bike that can also go on the road because he's looking to the day that he's 16, has a license, and needs to be able to get around on the streets to do all the things he needs to do. It's crazy to me just how much my kids have grown up and changed. How many of you parents can relate to what I'm talking about here? Yeah. Now, the fact is I couldn't be more proud of who those kids are who they're becoming, who they've already come so far in becoming as God wants them to be. And all of who they are, I promise you, is due and credited to their mother's influence rather than mine. Uh, But uh, those are some pretty special kids to me. And I'm amazed at what God's already doing in their lives. One of my kids was one of those kids on the missions trip that that Brant and Christine uh, graciously took and, and gave them an experience that changed their life. And I can't wait to hear all the details of how those changes have taken place just in the last week. And yet, as I watch my kids growing and realizing they're not going to be in our house much longer, I find myself more and more frequently feeling like maybe I've missed some chances along the way to spend time with them, to influence them, to, to experience what it's like to have little kids that are mine, that I'm their daddy. I remember my wife and I talking when both of our kids were, were tiny, you know, carrying around them in our arms. And over and over, we'd have strangers and good friends come up to us with that strange smile on their face. And they'd say, enjoy it while it lasts, because it's going to go so quick. And we heard it so often. I'm like, we're enjoying it already. Leave us alone. And now we're looking back and realizing what they meant. We find ourselves saying it to other parents as they're raising their little ones. Because it goes so quick. And now more than ever before, I find myself asking, did I do the job that God had called me to do, being dad to these kids that nobody else can do? Did I not only enjoy but use and invest in every moment that God gave me? And that's related directly to what we're talking about during this summer series. We're in the middle of a series called Simplify. And trying to reduce the clutter in our lives and create more time. Pastor Jeff's been using words with you over the last few weeks like creating margin, developing contentment with what we have rather than wanting more and more, uh, figuring out how to renew and replenish our relationship with Jesus. Because so many of us and so many in this world are overscheduled and stressed and overwhelmed with all of the busyness and complexity of life. So as we're working through this series of Simplify, how does that work in a family where kids are present? How do we apply the lessons of Simplify to family life? Because if you've got kids, especially if they're still in their house, you know they don't make life simple, do they? Those kids have a crazy way of adding to our schedule, increasing our stress, and making us feel even more overwhelmed than, they were, than we were before they came into our lives. So how do we respond to what the Lord's been teaching us over the last few weeks and apply it to our lives, especially knowing just how short of a time God has entrusted these precious kids to us? 
Most of what we're talking about today is going to apply to those of us parents of any kind who have kids of any kind still living in our home. And if that's not you, I think you'll find some things that the Lord may speak to you on as we talk together this morning. But I want to encourage you as well to listen in, even if it doesn't apply to you, because if you don't have kids in your home, maybe your kids are grown and they've already moved on. Maybe you're a grandparent and you're watching your kids raise kids in their house. Maybe you've never had kids. Whatever the situation is, if this doesn't directly apply to you, I want to encourage you to listen closely and then find a way to help those of us parents who are struggling to invest every minute that God's given us into our kids' lives. Come alongside a single mom. Get involved in our children's ministry or our youth programs to assist and give another mentor and guide to those kids. Pray for us parents who are still trying to figure it out every day that we're entrusted to these kids. But as we do every single week, we're going to look into God's word for some guidance, for some direction, whether we're parents or not. And I invite you to stand if you're able and read out loud with me if you're willing. Deuteronomy chapter 6. We're going to read verses 5 through 7 as Moses is talking to the nation of Israel and giving them guidance and direction that is supposed to carry them through the rest of their future together. Let's read out loud together, starting with verse 5. Here we go. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Let's take a moment. To invite God to instruct us today. Our Father, we pause in your presence, in your house, and we ask you to do what only you can do because if we've come today just to hear what a preacher thinks or has to say, there's a good chance we're going to waste our time. Lord, we need to hear from you, especially those of us parents that you've entrusted to raise kids that, believe it or not, you love even more than we do. Lord, through the power of your Holy Spirit, would you guide and teach us? Would you not only help us to understand what the job of parenting involves, but how to make it fit into a crazy world and an overwhelmed schedule? Would you allow us the privilege of creating more time to enjoy with kids that we have for such a short time? It's in Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Go ahead and take your seats, if you will. And I want to point out to you that this passage gives the most important job that a parent has, and it breaks it down in really three simple pieces. Number one, if you're a parent or anyone else, love God with everything you've got. Number two, that has to be not just something in your head or something in your outward appearance, but something that you have deep in your heart. It's got to be you, not just what you do or think or believe. And number three, impress those things onto your children. Moses and God himself is entrusting the current generation, like us parents today, to pass on to the next generation the elements that are going to allow them to trust in Jesus as much or even more than we are today. There's some implications that we can draw. We could spend an entire sermon series on this. In fact, we have before. But some implications that are applying directly to our current series. Number one, a parent's job is to shape the faith of their kids. 
We can't outsource that to somebody else. We can't delay it until 20 years down the road when we have more time in our schedule. Number two, the way that we do this, according to verse 7, is through the normal course of life. This isn't just about having a, a special time of devotion before dinner or before bedtime. This is about day in, day out, minute after minute, through the normal routines and uh, ins and outs of drudging life that some of us experience and the exciting times. We find ways to take that passionate pursuit of Jesus Christ and we pass it on to our kids. This passage explains how godly parenting actually works. By example, we hold up the example of what it looks like to be a passionate follower of Jesus Christ. And our kids see it in everything that we do, everywhere we go, not just hear it in everything that we say. And then they claim it as their own. We as parents are to teach our children to chase after God in the same way that Jesus taught us to do so, by living it out in front of us so that we can see it and touch it rather than just hear about it or read about it. Throughout the normal course of life, when we sit around the house, when we're running our errands and going from here to there, when we're going through our bedtime ritual with them, those are the moments that God calls us as parents to teach our kids how to follow Jesus. I remember when I was in my Bible school days, Dr. Howard Hendricks famously said, more is caught than taught. Whether you're a preacher or a parent, people are going to learn more from your example and what you do than whatever it is coming out of your mouth. If you take a look at these bikes, you may notice a, a common element. These uh, vehicles both have two wheels and a motor, right? How many of you think that my kids both independently would have happened to stumble onto an interest in, in uh, motorcycles if their dad wasn't somehow involved? And I can tell you, it's not just that I explain to them, bicycles are fun, but they're way more fun if you put a motor on it, kid. It's also, and probably mostly because they watched me enjoy riding motorcycles and now they're following in dad's footsteps, whether mom likes it or not. You all know how that goes if you've raised kids. They have a good or bad way of picking up your habits and following your example. And that's what Paul was talking about in 1 Corinthians 11 when he said, follow my example even as I follow Christ. It's what Pastor Jeff is talking about time after time when he tells us the greatest gift you can give to your kids is the example of a godly mom or dad who's chasing after Jesus with everything you got. Because that is how they're going to learn how to do it themselves. That is how you're going to pass on your faith to the next generation. That is how the principle of Proverbs 22.6 actually works. When we're told to, to start out our children in the way they should go, train them up in the direction that God wants them to go, and when they're older, they won't depart from it. Billy Sunday, the famous preacher, said this about that verse, to train a boy in the way you should go, you must go that way yourself. Let's assume, if you're a parent today, that you are heading in the general direction of where God wants you to go. You are pursuing Jesus Christ, however imperfectly we're trying to do it. How is it that we allow them to see and learn from that example rather than just hear our talk? Well, to teach your kids to love Jesus in normal, everyday life, you have to spend time living 
everyday life with them. And if they're going to learn more from watching you than from listening to what you say, they've got to see you carrying out your daily responsibilities and being an example before them. Can I just state the obvious right here? It's hard to do that if you're not there. It's hard to do that if your kids aren't there in the house when you are. We have to spend time with our kids. We've got to create time for our kids. And we've got to be together in the home and throughout the other responsibilities that we have in life. And in this overstressed, overscheduled, overwhelmed modern life that most of us live, we're too busy, or they're too busy, to be able to give them enough time seeing us following after Jesus. We only have a short time. We've got to capitalize on it. Because if they don't see enough of us, then they don't see enough of us living for Jesus. And they're going to miss the lessons that God placed us in their lives and them in our houses for them to learn. It turns out that, as we learned a couple of weeks ago, we don't love Jesus well when we're in a hurry. We don't love others well when we're in a hurry. We're seeing in this passage today, we don't train our kids to love Jesus and love others well when we're in a hurry when we're so stressed out and overscheduled. That's why we have another powerful motivation as parents to simplify our lives to the place where we can live and spend time with our kids. Tony Dungy, the uh, famous and uh, Super Bowl winning NFL coach, had a really busy job, and he's also a faithful follower of Jesus. And he said this on his uh, devotional website. He says, the number one thing, I think, for a parent is spending time with kids. That's how you're going to demonstrate that you love them and that you love Jesus. Getting the time with kids becomes difficult as schedules become hectic or job demands come upon you. When you have to be away from home for a considerable amount of time, how can you spend time with your kids and show them how much they mean to you and how to love Jesus? That's the challenge for us today. How do we simplify family life in order to create more time to build into our kids during the short time we have them in our homes. And I want to share with you just a few things that I've learned watching other people raise their kids in 15 years of youth ministry. And now what's also been reinforced to me in now 16 years of raising my own kids. I've got to warn you, I'm probably going to say a few things this morning that might get some of us. It might step on our toes, might, might make us feel a little pinge or wince, and oh, that hit a nerve. It might even make some people mad, some of the things we're talking about today. And if that's the case, I just want to challenge you right here and right now. I'm not wanting to offer easy answers to how we create more time for our families. And my goal today is to get you to ask really hard questions. And then go home and continue to wrestle through them until God gives you those answers. And then you put them in place in your lives to simplify and to raise your kids the way that God wants you to. So if you find yourself getting a a little bit of twinge, a little bit of ouchies, a little bit of anger raises up in your neck, I can't believe he just said that to me. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to take that element home with you. I want you to think about it. I want you to talk about it with whoever it is that loves your kids almost as much as you do. I want, to talk with, I want you to talk to your kids about it. They'll give you insight that you don't have yet until you ask them, especially if they're teenagers. And I want you, most of all, to talk to God about those things. 
and continue to talk through those issues until he gives you the answers that we struggle to find as parents. Lesson number one that I've learned, especially watching other parents and the society around us, if we're going to create enough time to raise our kids and train them up in the way they should go and, and spend time with them so they can see our example, we're going to have to get off the crazy train that almost everyone around us is on. We're going to have to find ways to simplify our family calendar. Because if you look around, you see people going to and fro in the calendar on the refrigerator or in your purse or on your smartphone so packed in with stuff that every member of the family has going on that there's no way to be able to have margin or time to interact together through the normal course of life. We miss out on living life together because we're so busy running to and fro. And I want to encourage you that in the culture that we're living in, where everyone is doing too much. If you're doing it like you see everybody else doing it, we're doing it wrong. We've got to get off that crazy train and find ways to simplify the family calendar. I noticed about 20 years ago when I started doing youth ministry, I'd, I'd have parents that seemed proud of having a calendar like this. They'd say, oh, whether it was a teenager or a younger one, parents would say, oh, I don't know how we're going to fit in that play date that we're talking about this week because a little Susie, she's got soccer after school every day, and then she's got music lessons Monday, Wednesday, Friday after that, and then she's got the tennis class that she's taking on Tuesdays and Thursdays, and on Saturdays the recital, and Sunday we've got a tournament to go to. And there was an element of pride. My kid does more than your kid. I'm providing more good opportunities than everybody else. I'm a really good parent, ain't I? It seemed like there was a switch somewhere over the next 10 years. 10 years ago, I started seeing more and more parents who were frustrated with the overbearing schedule. They knew something was wrong, but by now it had become commonplace. It had become normal. Everybody was doing it, and parents had no idea how to get off that train. It seems like now I see more and more parents who are surrendered. They're throwing up the white flag saying, life is crazy, that's the way it is, that's the way it's going to be until these kids are out of my house. And they're exhausted, and their kids are too. Can I just tell you as clearly as I can, running to and fro from one good thing to another good thing is not a good thing. Make wise choices because every time you say yes to one thing, you're saying no to everything else and we can't do everything and our kids weren't designed to either. And if you're going to make that decision to simplify the family calendar, even though everybody around us is doing just the opposite, you're going to have to do what Joshua did, the next generation that came after Moses, who was tasked to pass on to the next generation after him, how to follow Jesus. And he said, if following after God doesn't seem attractive to you, don't do it. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord, even if that means being completely different from everyone around us. It's time to simplify the family calendar and unhitch our wagons from that crazy train. And second lesson that I've learned watching other parents and trying to do it myself, it's essential, parents, to make church a priority. I know there's lots of other things you could be doing today, and yet here you are. Way to go. Because... When we have no time for God on a Sunday morning, our kids notice. Hebrews 10.25 says, let's not get out of the habit 
of gathering together as God has called us to do as his church family, worshiping him and supporting each other and sitting under the teaching of his word. Let's not give that up, even though lots of people are in the habit of doing that. Can I just tell you an honest answer? Even our committed followers of Jesus, even our our, our most faithful people in our church, many of us have come into the habit of doing all kinds of other things on Sunday morning rather than church. I want to get personal for a minute. We've had some good friends of ours, my wife and I, over the years, more than one, more than two, who have raised their kids and been faithful parents, who have been committed to Jesus and to the church and serving as well. And and then the kids get to the point where they leave the house and they leave the church too. And mom or dad will come to my wife or I and, and, and say some version of the question, I don't know where they learned that sleeping in and not going to church is okay. More than a couple of times, We've looked at that parent and said, do you really want to know the answer? They learned it from you. Because you taught them the church was important, but only if something else wasn't more important. And every time that you went on vacation, every time that there was a camping trip scheduled for the weekend, every time you had company come over, every time there was a sports tournament, you taught them that those things were more important than church. And now, as a young adult, sleeping in on Sunday is more important than church, and that's what they're doing. Can I tell each of you parents in the home, as I tell myself as well, if you've got kids in your house, make church a priority. Because if you've got no time for God on Sunday morning, your kids are going to notice. Another lesson that I've learned over the years, I want to challenge us parents, stop worshiping sports and other extracurricular activities. Maybe even the curriculars and the GPA that you're chasing after. Remember one of those commands that we're to have on our hearts that Moses talked about that we're supposed to pass on to our kids is you will have no other gods before me. I understand I did sports when I was a kid. It taught me a lot. I learned a lot from from the time that I spent in sports. But back in the day, as I remember, there were seasons. And most kids didn't do every sport, every season, all year long. And there was time, even when you were totally committed to your sport, to be able to have rest, to be able to make time for your family, to make time for church or a job. And so often we see that sports and drama and band and other extracurricular activities over the years have demanded more and more and more time from the participants To the point where many of these activities require a year-round commitment. Six, seven days a week. Sometimes early mornings before school even starts. Sometimes late at night. Every weekend. When are kids going to have time not only to live their lives, but live life with you in your house? If that's the kind of schedule you're running. Where's your family time? If all your time is going to chasing down these events and activities. The commitment is good to those things. Those are good things. But remember what God told us to do, parents. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5, love God with everything you got. And we know Jesus added the second most important, love others as you love yourself. And then everything else fits in around it. And so many people in our culture, in our environment, in our communities, in our churches, have bowed down to the idol of sports and activities, making them even more important than their commitment to Jesus himself, to their own kids. And I want to challenge you as a parent. Do 
Decide before God what your limits are. Don't take my limits. Ask God to give you direction on what is an appropriate boundary and limit for the things that my kids want to do or that I'm encouraging them to try out. Maybe it would look something like, okay, Johnny, I know you're really passionate about these things. You can pick two sports and no more. Because half the year, you need to have a break from those things. And you can practice whenever the coach calls it, as long as it's not before school, as long as it's not after 8 o'clock, and as long as it's not on Sunday. And we are going to limit the competitions to be able to maintain our commitment to God and family, even more than our commitment to this event. And I know some of you are thinking, you don't get it, Jason. My kid's very athletic. He's got a chance for a scholarship in a few years. Some people are saying that to their fifth grader. And, and yet, I, I understand that, even though I've got to tell you, I feel blessed that my kids aren't over the moon excited about every sport that comes along because it's easier for me to be a parent to them. But if that's you, I understand the dilemma. If you set those limits, there's a very good chance that the coach is going to say, that's all right, your kid just won't play. And I've got to ask you, if the Lord gives you direction on where those limits need to be, are you going to bow down to the God himself or are you going to bow down to that coach or that sport? No easy answers. Hard question to wrestle through. One thing that I've learned and I'm still struggling to put into practice, day after day after day, I have a hard time accomplishing this. Don't work too much. I know a lot of us northern Michiganders, a lot of us men, have a strong work ethic, and, and, and that's a good thing. Work is good. Don't misunderstand me. And if we are going to be uh, followers of Jesus Christ that represent the nature of God and good stewards of all that he's entrusted to us, we're going to work hard, aren't we? But here's the thing. I'm Jason, and I'm a workaholic. I got it from my dad. My, my dad, uh, all the wonderful things that he taught me, he worked too much. He worked constantly, whether he was working at work or he was working at the business that he started or he was working at home after all those things were done. I rarely saw my dad where he wasn't working. And I think one of the reasons why he was able to teach me some of the important things that he did was because he made me work with him. And we got to share that time together as we were living life together. And I'm telling you, I am so grateful that if my dad was going to err, he erred on the side of strong work ethic rather than the other way that we see some families operating under. Having said that, I'm a workaholic. And I'm trying to be a recovering workaholic. I want to get a t-shirt made that says that, recovering workaholic. And then on the back, I'm going to say, don't ask me to give in to my impulses while I sit on the beach. But the reality is, I'm blessed with a flexible but also demanding job. I love my job. There's like many of you, no end to my job. There's always more to be done, no matter how many hours or days or years that I put into it. There's always more that can be done in that job. And I find, and I try to be honest with my kids, and my wife often graciously points out to me, it's way too easy for me to go behind a closed door and get on a computer and study for way too long and read and plan and, and figure out what the Lord is leading us to do and thinking that I'm doing God's work when God's work is right outside the door. My kids need me even more than my work does. There's times when it's way too easy for me to say, okay, guys, I'm going to be home around 7 o'clock. <laughs> I leave that out for me because I know me. And then 
at 6.45, I remember three or four things I have to do, a couple phone calls I have to make, and next thing I know, I'm coming home at 9 o'clock when the kids are already in bed. I have a tendency when I get a call from somebody who says they need me to want to immediately drop everything and run out and do it. But sometimes my kids need me more than that caller. And even when I'm off, I'm not off sometimes. I'm always thinking about what else needs to be done or, or considering uh, something that, that might be in play tomorrow or next month or next year. And always my mind is going. And so much so that I remember uh, the first family vacation we took when my kids were little and we had two of them. And, and the, the whole agenda for the vacation was to do absolutely nothing together as a family for the full week. And I was looking forward to it and told my wife, I'm like, this is going to be an opportunity for me not only to spend time with the kids and us to be together and everything, but then once they get their fill of that, they're going to go play and I'll actually get a break because when I come home, I don't have much time when they don't want my attention. And maybe we can even have some time together as husband and wife. And we realized after a couple of days of this trip that my kids were hanging on me and clinging to me even more then than they were when I was at home in normal life. And it suddenly dawned on me why that was. It was so rare that they had my undivided attention that they were sucking up every minute they could get once they finally got it. Pastor Jeff has told you we've been spending five years probably discussing uh, this series and the need for it and how we're going to communicate it. And I got to tell you, he asked me to deliver this message because I've been talking to him and anybody else who will listen, including myself, for at least a decade. Because us parents have a divine and essential responsibility. And it's more important than anything else we got going on even work. The fact of the matter is, like many of you, even when I do manage to get off <laughs> and I'm at the house doing nothing and thinking nothing about work, I wind up having a tendency to find work to do anyway. I, I might go out to the garage to put away a tool and I see a maintenance project that I haven't got to and next thing you know, I'm out there for hours and my family doesn't even know where I went. Anybody relate? Yeah, it's not just the job that we do. It's the nature of who we are that finds other things to do. And sometimes, even those good things can seem to be more important, more pressing than the most important job that we have as parents. We need to punch out sometimes. We need to develop margin in our lives, both in the workplace and when we get home. Because God created us with limits, as we've been seeing throughout this series. And God created our kids to need us even more than our work needs us. Around that time that I realized just how out of balance I had gotten with work and family, I came across a book by Andy Stanley. It was called Choosing to Cheat. A really uh, intriguing title. What's this about? It sounds, but I, I knew from the subtitle that it was about uh, what happens when work and family collide. And, and what he says is, yeah, you have to give an honest day's work for an honest wage. Uh, you're not going to cheat somebody. But the reality is most of us have jobs where the expectations and demands are going to continue to go no matter how faithfully we carry out our responsibilities. There's always going to be more. And eventually we're going to have to decide, am I going to choose to live up to the expectations of my family? Or am I going to cheat them in order to choose to live up 
to the impossible expectations of my workplace. The crux of the book is God calls us. If we have to choose to feel like we're cheating one place or the other, God comes first, family comes second. Everything else fits in around it, right? As parents, that's our responsibility. Because there's always more that we can do. And we have this tension, this constant challenge. Are we going to feel like we're cheating the expectations and needs and opportunities in our family or in our work? Are we going to choose our home or our business? Are we going to choose our kids or our chores around the house? And our family needs to win that tug of war. The wisest man who ever lived, Solomon, who had some struggles teaching his kids and the way to go, said this, among other things about work, overwork specifically. He says, what do people get for all the toil and anxious striving with which they labor under the sun? All their days, their work is grief and pain. Even at night, their minds do not rest. Is there anything that nails our current culture, as well as those words written thousands of years ago? And he comes to the conclusion, this too is meaningless. And yet, we have responsibilities in our homes that are anything but meaningless. Work's still going to be there when the kids move out. Kids won't be. Work is going to go on with or without us. Our kids may not. Work is something that we're called to do. And yet, the only ones who can raise our kids... Spend time with them. Train them up in the way they should go. Live out a godly example, including an appropriate work ethic, is us. So who are you going to choose? By the way, that uh, title, Choosing to Cheat, was difficult enough for people to grasp and understand what they were about to read. Uh, that It turns out Andy Stanley decided to retitle the same book. I encourage you, if you struggle in this area, uh, that tiny little book probably has been as influential to me as any, any other book outside the Bible in the last 10 years. And it's now, if you look on Amazon or a bookstore, when work and family collide, go pick it up, read it. If that's a hard question, you're trying to figure out how to answer Another thing I'm going to suggest, Pastor Jeff over the next uh, couple of weeks is going to be teaching on Sabbath, taking time off. And I challenge you to listen to what he has to say from God's word about that topic that's so lost in our culture. Because that word doesn't mean thou shalt not work one day a week and get all legalistic about it. It means God saying to us, I want what's best for you. I built you in my image and I rested so that you would do the same. I want you to go home and enjoy one of the very best things that I've given you and blessed you with, your family, and the opportunity to change their lives and the rest of the future for all eternity. How many of you get the opportunity to do that at work today? We're not designed to be always on. And not only when we give in to our workaholic tendencies do we miss out on the opportunity to teach our kids and be an example to them and enjoy them. We also teach them to follow in our footsteps in that area and in all likelihood give them a challenge they're going to have to overcome throughout their adulthood as well. So spend time with your kids. Clock out. Turn off whatever it is that's biting for your time and demanding your attention. Spend time with your kids. 
And I say that to myself because it's a lesson I'm still trying to apply every day. Because your kids need you even more than your workplace does, no matter what your job is. We talked this morning about getting off the crazy train and simplifying the family calendar, even though it's going to require us to be different than anybody around us. We talked about making church a priority, making sure that our kids see that we can make time for God before anything else. We talked about avoiding the worship of sports and extracurricular activities and how in so many cases it's taken over the healthy lives of so many families. And we've talked about not working too much and figuring out how to get our job done without cheating the most important job we have as parents. To live with our kids in a way that they get enough of us that they see Jesus. What I want to challenge you to do is pick one of those things. One of those places where God was speaking to you the loudest or the most and tapping you and maybe nudging you and making you wince a little bit, maybe even ticking you off a little bit, and continue to ask that hard question with the people that love your kids as much as you do, with your kids themselves, and continue that discussion with God until he provides the answers that only his Holy Spirit can. We've got to make time for our kids while we can, because <laughs> they grow up too fast. Deuteronomy chapter 6, the verse we read together it says this love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul and with all your strength these commandments I give you today are to be on your hearts impress them on your children talk about them when you sit at home when you walk along the road when you lie down and when you get up you got to be home to do that your kids have to be home sometimes too We've got to simplify the family calendar, the work calendar, life, if we're going to enjoy and capitalize on one of the greatest gifts God's ever going to give us as parents. If you're a parent today, I want to ask you, and not if you're going to commit to doing this or that or follow a rule that, that some pastor's family is trying to implement or, or whatnot, but if you're saying, I'm going to keep wrestling through this until God gives me the answers, would you just stand up right now so I can pray for you? If you're a parent, kids in the house, and you're saying, God's speaking to me. I'm not sure what he's saying yet, but I'm going to keep working through this issue until I know what his answers are. I'm going to ask you to stand right now along with me as we pray together. Father God, I pray for every mother and father, every type of parent represented in this room especially those who are standing up right now saying, Lord, I'm listening. I want to take seriously my devotion to you. I want to take seriously my responsibility to start my kids off in the way they should go. I want to take seriously the opportunity to enjoy the blessing of children that you've granted to me and put in my care. Lord, we know we're going to need you to give us wisdom and insight and direction from your word, from sources like a sermon at church on Sunday, and from your Holy Spirit. This is going to be an ongoing thing. We're not going to get all the answers today and automatically have them all put into place by tomorrow. For as long as you've placed kids under our care, 
we're going to have to keep running back to you. And I pray, Father, that as we do, that you would give us the direction that we need, that we're asking for, that we can't accomplish the task without. And God, I pray for each person in the room who's maybe a little less directly affected by this conversation today. Lord, to each person you've spoken to, I pray that you would continue to give guidance and direction and answers to the hard questions we're talking about. Lord, I ask that you would raise up a family in this church that would look for opportunities to reach out and support parents who have the most important job in this room. To pray for us, to encourage us, perhaps to challenge us and hold us accountable to the way you call us to raise our kids. Lord, above all, would you allow each of us who as parents, whatever stage of life our kids may be in, would you let us enjoy the moments that we get to share with those children, those blessings, those beautiful gifts from you. We thank you that it's only you who can accomplish all these things. And we trust that you will. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with us?